fake, fake, fakeity fake. Hi, I'm Jody. And I'm Vienno. And welcome to Imperial News, where I spend my whole week listening to the far-right podcast Rebel News and talk about violent right-wing extremists planning to kill police with my friend Vienno. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, remember when that whole thing was happening? Remember <laughs> when that was the big news story? <laughs> it is like a... I feel after the news of what happened yesterday, it's like almost nothing, everything else feels small, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I guess uh, most of you will be aware that uh, uh, there is a war happening, and I'm, I'm sure we will cover it next week. <laughs> Given the nature of this show, though, it just feels weird that uh, this is happening now, and we're talking about things that happened a week ago, so... And we get to have the fun of imagining what new horrors next week will bring us. Yeah. <laughs> that will be like, ha, remember when <laughs> that was the big thing? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been, uh, you know, the last few years have been a bit much. They've been mm -hmm. a bit much. But uh, all that considered, how are you, Vieto? I'm tired. Running on like four hours of sleep. Um, yeah, that's about it. I'm just very, very exhausted. How are you? No, I'm I'm in the same boat. Uh, it was hard to uh, concentrate last night. Watched uh, and still had to get up in the morning and drive my son to school. So, you know, was uh, watching all the stuff that's going on. But but yeah, we we will cover that probably next week because I imagine Ezra's going to have some uh, annoying things to say about it. I guess all I will say right now is, uh, you know, solidarity with. The, the people of Ukraine that are going through this, and also solidarity with the anti-war activists in Russia who are currently protesting. And, uh, yeah, fuck war. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to go back in time for a week and talk about some other assholes. <laughs> Hello, my rebels. Hello, my rebels. I'm a good boy. I'm a weirdo. So we're going to be covering the week of February 14th to February 18th. And this is, of course, while the occupation was still going on in Ottawa. Several things happened the sort of like the day of the Monday on the 14th that become relevant as the week progresses. But like we're going to touch upon it. So what happened on the 14th was we both got uh, the the cachet of weapons that were discovered in uh, Coots, Alberta. That happened on the 14th, and we also got Trudeau uh, saying that he was going to invoke the Emergencies Act. Both of those happened on Monday, and they're pretty much what we're going to cover for the rest of the week. Now, the other thing to note there is the the first two days, Monday and Tuesday, are going to be primarily what we're going to be talking about here. The last three days are kind of a wash. So we're going to take a long time to get through Monday and Tuesday, and then we're going to spend almost no time on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, just for the, the okay. nature of how this week went. So again, on the 14th, the Monday, Trudeau invokes the Emergency Act, and Ezra is not happy about it. He begins by comparing it to the War Measures Act, but he says that the War Measures Act was actually justified, because back then, there actually was a terrorist attack uh, through the FLQ and all this. At least that's how he frames it. Mm -hmm. And then he plays the quote, of course, of Pierre Papa Trudeau saying, 
just watch me, which is what he said when he enacted the War Measures Act. Such a raw fucking line. Like, <laughs> we, yeah, we did not get an equivalent with Trudeau uh, invoking the Emergency Act. Jagmeet Singh has had a just watch me moment, which was is very funny because he did that thing during the election last year where he was like, where the libs were like, oh, they're taking that tax of billionaire stuff too far. Who, how far are they going to go? And then Jogby was like, just watch me. And it's like, how did that happen? But Justin Trudeau did fucking nothing. <laughs> he had no good one-liners prepared. Now that I think about it, I can't... He, he doesn't have any good one-liners. There's not... Which is actually kind of amazing as a, as a like, uh, political figure, you know? Usually they come up with at least one, like pithy quote to like to get people you know nothing instead we get the the uh we scandal <laughs> yeah no the liberals are just such the generic governing party of canada that they don't even need a slogan <laughs> <laughs> but anyways that all all that aside because you know it's happening uh ezra's mad because he feels that when it comes to the convoy itself there has been absolutely no violence to justify the Emergency Act. Uh, and, you know, we know that already not to be the case. Uh, if you just listen back to our past episodes, we talked about the rocks that were thrown at ambulances. We talked about the possible arson that was related to the trucker convoy. There's also just been incidents of people smashing the windows of, like, media vans and just, like, all kinds of violence that actually did occur that Ezra just pretends like it doesn't happen. And I'm sure there's many more that I'm not mentioning here. <laughs> Nothing ever happens. One thing that he does highlight right away, because again, this happened on Monday, is that he says there was a pretext. And the pretext for initiating the, uh, the act, according to Ezra, is what happened in Coots with the discovery of this weapon cache. Now, the dis there was a discovery of a cache of several weapons. Uh, there was some tactical vests included with that, as well as uh, a bunch of ammunition. And at the time of the recording, there was a rest of at least 11 people. I think that has since ballooned into about 14 people that have been arrested, maybe more. And given that the arrests happened the day Ezra was recording this episode, uh, you could expect he doesn't have the full picture. So charity given to Ezra. But I wanted to like take a snapshot here because this was the first thing that he has to say about the arrests in Coots. There was a pretext uh, that Trudeau himself did not actually mention today. Um, there were a few shotguns found in a country farmhouse uh, in Coots. Uh, they called that a violent cell. The men were arrested. We'll have to wait and see what the facts are there. But finding a few shotguns or rifles in a country farmhouse uh, is not a violent cell. That's called rural Alberta, or for that matter, rural anywhere. I, we will get into further detail of what went down in, in Coots, but I just want your, like, emotional assessment of what you just heard. <laughs> knowing, knowing that you know mm -hmm. what went down, how do you feel, Ezra? How, what do you take? Like, how do you, how do you feel about his first take? Just fucking idiot, dude. <laughs> like, like, assault weapons from a, like, fascist accelerationist group is not shotguns on a farm and especially because like rebel had it in, had it like quote-unquote reporters like embedded with those protesters and apparently they heard nothing they saw nothing 
you know, that could have pointed in any sort of direction about who these types of people were. That's a very interesting point. <laughs> and we'll get to more of that aspect of it. But I do love, like, he he has to know at this point, because the news had already broken, that it was 13 long uh, guns as well as uh, a couple shotguns. So it's like for him to say it was just a couple shotguns in a thing, you know, and like, yeah, cases of ammo, uh, <laughs> a couple flak jackets <laughs> or, or tactical vests, uh, uh, probably better way of putting it. But still, like a ton of stuff, you know, a total a total rural Alberta experience that us city folk will just not understand. I mean, at the same time, though, like if I go to my rural uncle's house and again, he's cop in military, so like a little bit different situation but there's a gun closet you know like but it's also not to this extent and also like ammo has to be held separately under canadian gun laws so and like in a separate room or location so um Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Might be saying something about its planned use for those weapons. Like, So we're going to get to more of that in a second. But Ezra moves on from that, and he, he starts setting up this clip. And I just want to highlight it's a weird moment. It's also not worth playing. But Ezra's setting up this clip, and it sounds like he's trying to pitch, uh, uh, try to point to a Trudeau press conference that is happening, and how the media likes to like kiss Trudeau's ass and stuff like this. But then he accidentally, at least I feel like it was accidental because it didn't make a sense in the context in which Ezra was speaking. He plays a clip of a press conference involving Tamara Lich, who was one of the convoy leaders, and some other dude who I think was also uh, either a lawyer or like a PR person associated with the convoy. And the reporter in the interview brings up what happened in Coots in terms of the arrests and asks whether or not there are guns in Ottawa. And of course, Tamara responds no, and so does the other dude. And the other dude says, uh, in fact, crime has gone down in Ottawa since the truckers have been there. <laughs> and then they both get up and walk out and refuse to take any more questions. And Ezra does, <laughs> like, Ezra plays that, and I'm just like, that does not make the trucker, or like the truck convoy look good. Like, why, <laughs> why would you play that on your show? Wow. <laughs> Ezra then pivots to saying you can't trust the RCMP in Coots. And uh, he plays a clip of the truckers at Coots complaining that the RCMP had taken equipment. And, like, I think they cut the lines on some of the trucks and have just generally made things difficult for them. But, like, all you need to gain from that is that you can already tell uh, where Ezra is trying to take this, which he's trying to, like have two different options, which is well, one, that the guns are just normal, rural Alberta stuff, nothing to see here, folks. But also, he wants to say that uh, if, it, if it does come out that these people were doing something bad, you can't trust the RCMP, so it's probably either a false flag or some other kind of, like, fed plant thing, which is really the only two options he has, right? <laughs> yeah. No, and we saw this last week with all the flag stuff. Yeah. With the false flag flag. Like. No, yeah, exactly. It's all, it's all gotta be faked because there's no way that our blessed holy truckers could ever 
do anything wrong. Our beautiful truckers. <laughs> yeah. Ezra then gets to a point where I actually kind of agree with him. He asks the question about whether or not it was necessary or needed for Trudeau to invoke the Emergency Act. The ambassador bridge between Windsor and Detroit, it was cleared by local cops with not much ado. Um, these arrests in southern Alberta, whether real or fake, were handled by police without the Emergencies Act. Why is the Emergencies Act needed? Premiers across the country from Quebec to Alberta said they did not want the Emergencies Act. Why this heavy-handed law on top of other abuses? Well, that's the thing. This Emergencies Act is not needed to deal with a violent rebellion. There is no violent rebellion. It's to go after Trudeau's personal enemies, to seize their bank accounts, to turn peaceful political opponents into terrorists. There's an element in which I agree with him in terms of like, is it needed, right? Like I, mm. I'm personally of the opinion that it wasn't necessary, that a lot of the powers, including I think the freezing of some of the bank accounts, I think they might've been able to do without invoking the Emergencies Act. So I'm not mm. sure why it was done. And I don't know how you feel about that. Like, I feel like there was a lot of people who were kind of like, especially on the left, who were upset with the precedent this sets or like some other step. And part of me is like, I don't like the fact that they did, they did this unprecedented move. But then I'm also like, I don't feel like the effects are going to be as like worrying because the police already fucking suck, you know? <laughs> At least I don't, yeah. I don't know, it's hard to tell from this standpoint whether the, the use of this act really is going to have, like, downstream effects that I should be worried about. I don't think that it'll have, like, the sort of effects in terms of, like, legal precedents that people were worried about. I think it'll be much more, like, I think that it's much more in terms of, like, the culture of... Uh, security in Canada that will be affected by this in the sense of like the idea that you can you know declare an emergency over something like over like a uh, protest that is taking place in multiple places across the country and then uh, you know just like move in and that like everybody kind of accept accepted it and for the most part like I would say that large portions of the country were like actively in favor of it. And that is much more worrying to me than any sort of like legal precedent because yeah, the cops are already like treating it leftists a thousand times worse and like indigenous protesters and black protesters and like kind of just everybody else way, way worse already than they were, than the truckers were treated even like with the emergencies act in place. But in terms of like the actual culture of, like that sort of thing normalizing that i think is a lot worse yeah for like long-term prospects of canadian democracy <laughs> yeah i mean i guess like for me i'm i'm aware of all those possibilities it just it feels i like i don't know how to describe it and i think part of it was they were able to do this in a way because of the large popular support against doing something about the trucker convoy now, I know when there has been some of the left-wing protests that have occurred, 
uh, again, like as I as I agree, I agree with you that they've been more hands on with us, even though the popular support has often more been on our side than mm-hmm. the governments in those cases. But like, I I just I don't know. I guess like for me, I'm I'm cautious, but I'm not like there were some people who were really panicking about it, and like I I just I don't know. I don't know being the uh, having the police crack down on me even before there was an emergency act. Like I just I feel. <laughs> Like, they're already doing this stuff to us. It's weird that they invoke this thing for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, and that's the thing that makes it, like, that's also part of, like, what I think makes it concerning is, like, normalizing the state of exception. Like, the state of, like, oh, you know, getting the country used to declaring these sorts of things purely for protests and stuff like that. Because, again... Trudeau could have invoked this in, like, 2020, in, like, March or February, and used that in order to enact measures to deal with a pandemic that killed 30,000 people. But instead, he did it over some people pooping in the snow in Ottawa. <laughs> like, which, again, they were fucking annoying and shitty human beings. But, like, you know, there is a massive difference between... <laughs> the COVID-19 pandemic and the truckers. And so like when it's, when it becomes obvious that these acts are only to be used against people and not to protect people, yeah, it's kind of just like a, it sets, it creates a worrying culture around like the possible uses for this sort of thing. Granted, so the people who were arrested in Coots are more worrying than just the pooping, but that was done yeah. before the emergency act, so they didn't need that to get those people. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Like, But anyways, the, the one thing you will notice, though, at the end of that Ezra clip, you could tell like his angle to all of this, which is not, it's like the emergency act is some sort of like deep state conspiracy to like control everyone (laughs) in particular it's like trudeau he says this multiple times and there will be more clips that i will play uh eventually but it's basically he thinks that trudeau was trying to turn canada canada into china that is his main sort of theory of course so it's weird he might agree with us that the emergency act was not like necessary in terms of dealing with the occupation he seems to think it's because of uh because of some conspiracy, where I tend to think it's because they they were having trouble getting the police to do what they want. I think it did maybe somewhat contribute to the police going, begrudgingly going, okay, they passed this thing. I guess we should do what we're technically supposed to do under our job description. <laughs> yeah, it's all weird. So even after the arrests in Alberta, Ezra wants to stress that there is absolutely nothing in life, okay? Nothing in life that has been more peaceful than this protest. Let's recap. The greatest violation of civil liberties in Canadian history has been the lockdowns. When there's a peaceful rebellion, really 100,000 protesters from coast to coast, not one act of violence. Have you ever heard of anything more peaceful in your life? (laughs) Have you? Have you, Vieto? Have you ever heard of anything more peaceful in your life than this convoy? Were there even 100,000 across the country? I, this would be a hard number to like calculate because like, I I doubt like Ezra was like counting heads at every like truck stop on the way Mm -hmm. from like BC to 
to Ottawa, but like, sure, I'll give it to him. <laughs> Even then, a hundred thousand across the entire country is not that big when you think about it. Zero point two five percent of the population. Whoa! Hello. Big numbers out there. A movement is coming through. <laughs> the most peaceful movement of all of life. Yep. That's the part that got me. It's like, how, mm-hmm. how do you... <laughs> I mean, aside from the fact that we've already talked about the violence, and Ezra, in this episode, has acknowledged that there was arrest, <laughs> arrests for people who were apparently a part of a violent cell, he still wants to go, no. What you don't understand is the convoy is the most peaceful thing ever. It's the closest we've gotten to re-entering, like, the Garden of Eden. True. I gotta say. Like, we've never made it closer than... It. The convoy in Canada. The angels wept when the evil uh, Chinese-Canadian police uh, destroyed it all. Mm-hmm. Ezra then goes through, I guess, a ceases definition of what constitutes a threat to Canada. Because supposedly within the Emergency Act, one of the things that guides whether it can be like its use can be justified is based on the ceases definition. And one of the parts of the definition is about foreign funding. And I mean, the rest of it's uh, the only other part of the definition that was kind of interesting was it talked about like uh, a threat of violence from sort of some sort of group. And it's weird because Ezra ignores that, even though he's already mentioned the like guns and the supposed threat of violence from those who are arrested in Alberta. But he still doesn't think that legally that justifies it, which I don't know, uh, legally that's debatable, I guess, uh, aside from whether you think the Emergencies Act is uh, good or not. But he, what he says about the foreign funding is very uh, interesting. The truckers have not gained, engaged in serious violence. They've engaged in no violence. There is no violent revolution. There's no foreign espionage. The only foreign element is some Americans thought, here's a few bucks for the truckers, but the money was not covert it was to help the truckers with gas money and food we know (laughs) we know that this is wrong because there was like some donors to the gofundme as well as the give give send go account were in the like thirty thousand to a hundred thousand dollar range like this Mm -hmm. wasn't just a few bucks for some food and also like that to me is like you know, if another country is donating, a single individual in another country is donating $100,000 to a protest in another country, that seems just a little bit more than a, a casual five bucks for a coffee, you know? <laughs> yeah. I think, again, a lot of people use the foreign funding thing to make it like a, like a foreign issue when clearly this is a Canadian issue. But like... It's it's more the fact that Ezra is the type of person who, like, whenever there's any foreign funding connected to any grassroots Canadian movement, he loses his shit. It's the reason why we have, as one of our Patreon goals, the foreign-funded environmentalist. Because whenever he talks about environmentalist activists in Canada, they're always foreign-funded. Wet'suwet'en, foreign-funded. <laughs> any group is foreign-funded to, to Ezra. Uh, and yet here he's like, oh, foreign funding's okay if it's just a few bucks for coffee. Meanwhile, people are donating like $50,000, $100,000, you know? Can you imagine how, I mean, I was going to say, like, can you imagine if, like, George Soros gave Wet'suwet'en land defenders, like, 50 bucks on, like, GoFundMe or whatever. But 
remember after the election when did they send Kian to that building where they shared the same building as Dominion voting systems Dominion voting systems shared the same building shared the same like office building so not like space not even the same floors I don't think no it was different times so they occupied the same building but not in overlapping times <laughs> oh my god but again and like the group that occupied those offices was a group called Tides, but not the Tides Foundation tied to George Soros, a different non-governmental organization that just had the name Tides. Well, it was the Canadian affiliate, so like they had ties to like the main Tides Foundation. It's just like the funding apparatus doesn't go through Tides Foundation and then into Canadian Tides. Like they have their own funding system. That yeah, George yeah. Soros is not a part of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, there's that. And then it's like, oh, they're sending, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars altogether or a few million. That's whatever. That's just they're buying them some some Timmies and some cigarettes and some good old gasoline from Berta oil fields. And that's not to mention the fact that, like, we've documented uh, as well earlier on when Rebel got started, they got a lot of uh, money from oil uh, oligarchs. So, <laughs> as you do, you know, totally grassroots uh, g- reporting from the people, Rebel News here. Now, we will, we will, George Soros will come up again, so we'll, we'll put, a, put a pin in that. Although it's it's rebels, so you know George Soros coming up is pretty much a weekly affair at this point. Yeah, Ezra does say he wants to legally fight the implementation of the Emergencies Act, uh, and also claims that the emergency will be extended indefinitely. You can imagine we're going to fight this in any way we can, if it, and, and we're going to uh, consult our lawyers to see what can be done in the face of this violation of civil liberties. I regret that little can be done. Um, because these extraordinary powers are there uh, for the government to use for a 30-day period. I believe that it will be extended. And I believe that Trudeau's invasiveness into the finances of his political critics will be extended. So, Viano, do you think it's going to be used for 30 days? I didn't make it through the fucking Senate, you <laughs> idiot. Like... <laughs> so, wait, so indefinitely, do you think that they're going to extend it beyond the 30 days? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think Trudeau's going to use it as an excuse to abolish the Senate finally. Uh, <laughs> for for those who don't get the joke, uh, Trudeau came out uh, yesterday, our time, I think, and announced that the emergency is over and is no longer using the Emergency Act. It's done. It's over. <laughs> it came and it went. <laughs> and yet here we have Ezra claiming that it will last pretty much forever. So I, I'm I'm guessing that's in the wrong category. <laughs> the funny thing is, when I initially planned this episode, I didn't have that clip ready to go because I didn't think it would. I it just passed by, and then it wasn't until like I went back to clip some other stuff that I was like, "Oh shit!" He said that this was gonna last forever, <laughs> and I already know that it's not gonna last forever. This is beautiful. It just made me think of. Um... <laughs> It made me think of the Palpatine speech in Star Wars Episode 3. Where it's like, 
Trudeau abolishes the Senate and is just like, Canada will be reorganized <laughs> into the first Canadian empire. That seems more of a Christian Freeland move. That would be even funnier. So now it, it, we return right away. Right away we're back to Soros, okay? <laughs> Ezra says that Trudeau is doing this, the, the Emergencies Act, because he loves China's basic dictatorship. And he plays that clip of Trudeau saying that he loves China's basic dictatorship, which was taken out of context, et cetera, et cetera. So we don't need to go over that again. He then connects the Trudeau family to both Castro and the Soviet Union and suggests that the liberal government is working with George Soros to have a cover of revolution, a color revolution, revolution against Canada. His whole family loves Castro. And I'm not... Uh, getting into the theory that Fidel Castro is actually Trudeau's dad. I'm not getting into that. I'm saying um, he's at the very least a father figure that the family admires and looks up to. Pierre Trudeau took his sons to the Soviet Union and said that Siberia was the future of the world. And even to this day, Trudeau and Christian Freeland, who serves on the board of the World Economic Forum, meet with George Soros. These are authoritarian people. I think that this invocation of the Emergencies Act is a kind of color revolution, if you know what I mean by that. A color revolution is the name given to these revolutions, typically in Eastern Europe, financed by George Soros to topple a regime that George Soros didn't like. Well, here in Canada, Trudeau and Christian Freeland and half the uh, cabinet, according to Klaus Schwab, is part of the Soros World Economic Forum. That's not a theory or a conspiracy theory. It's just a fact. Bizarrely, Christian Freeland sits as a governor on the World Economic Forum, even while she is um, a deputy prime minister and finance minister. I think that as this trucker rebellion spread, Trudeau got into trouble and he pulled a color revolution against his own people. What the fuck? What is it? So here's the thing. I know what it is, but you know what a color, color revolution is, right? Yeah. So why don't you explain it too? <laughs> like, because I think the color revolution idea originates with like, like in the early 2000s with like the things overthrowing or attempting to overthrow autocracies in like, I don't know, Eastern Europe, Central Asia and like. Um, the green movement in Iran was an attempt as well, where it was like an attempt to transition to a more like liberal style democracy, which is really Ezra like, that's such a weird take for Ezra to make to be like, oh, those color revolutions were bad. Like, that's weird. And like, part of me is like, George Soros likely did fund some parts of it because of his like open societies foundation. But, like, mm -hmm. part of that initiative is, like, say what you will about George Soros, but he's a liberal. So, of course, he's going to support yeah. the liberalizing of these countries. <laughs> you know, he's, yeah, not, and like, he's not making them communist or whatever the fuck he's trying to, like, the, the link back to Castro and, and Soviet Union and shit like that. But Yeah, and, like, one of the big aspects of the color revolutions as well is, like, the liberalization of the economies, of those countries too, where it's like full integration into free market capitalism that tanks the people's living standards afterwards. Like Euromaidan in Ukraine was a color revolution that then led to like a further deterioration of the Ukrainian people's living standards. 
I would be amazed if Ezra would come out against the Euromaidan movement or against, like, I don't know, Ukrainian democracy. (laughs) (laughs) And granted, like, part of me, like, uh, I'm not to speak for all of these because all of them have their own particulars and their own complications, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. I can see why people would prefer the kind of free market liberalization over and above, like, an autocratic rule over them. You know what I mean? So it's like some of that just seems kind of obvious (laughs) you know it's not as if the revolution is being like oh we want free market capitalism it's generally like we want significant reforms to our existing economy and we want a more open political system and then what happens is the west gets involved and like you know, then you have like the World Bank and the IMF and like everything like that that imposes those sort of sorts of economic, the economic destruction of the countries afterwards as well. Where it's like, it's not as if these people were asking for that to happen. It's that they were asking for changes and that the West will take advantage of that and that like these predatory financial institutions will take advantage of that. But again, like, I don't know, like, this is the weirdest thing for Ezra to, like, come out being like, oh, wow, those color revolutions funded by George Soros were bad? Yeah. <laughs> like, I can't even tell if he's saying, like... Or what? But like, I don't know. And then even at the end there, what the hell would, like, a color revolution against your own people be? Yeah. I don't even know what the fuck that means. <laughs> what, what does that even mean? Trudeau, like, just, like, because, like, the cover, color... Color revolutions are about like a a revolution where like the at least a sizable Toppling portion, a government. yeah, sizable portion. Yeah. And so this is just Trudeau as an individual topples his own government. Color revolution. <laughs> because my guess is that like the other comparisons to make are like you know Julius Caesar, who Ezra probably thinks is cool as fuck, or like other things, and so he's just naming the like only concept that he thinks that people won't be familiar with and that people won't be like yeah that dude was cool actually but like why not why not just say a coup why not just say like a putsch like why not just say any of these other sorts of things for establishing like a dictatorship it's just such it's such a weird choice yeah he's never talked in the in the years that i've listened to him Three years now? Four years? I can't even remember. He's never brought up a color revolution before, so it's like, why now? And why why for this weird-ass analogy that doesn't make any goddamn sense? Yeah. I do not get it. Ezra then uh, throws shade on uh, the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, so uh, shout-out to them. (laughs) And uh, he says that anti-hate extremists claim that there are Nazis everywhere. And he remarks that the irony is that Trudeau calls everyone else a Nazi, but he's the one restricting our civil liberties. I mean, granted, Nazis did restrict people's civil liberties, but, like, other people also restrict civil liberties. It doesn't... Restricting civil liberties is not just the thing of fascism. (laughs) Nope, that's it. (laughs) Fascism is when government do bad thing. Just like communism is when government do anything at all. That is... <laughs> what is, is that the Richard Wolff version of socialism? 
socialism yes, is when government does things. <sighs> so Ezra then ends the the main segment here by speculating, of course, that Trudeau is going to use the Emergency Act to freeze our assets and the assets of the Democracy Fund. I wish. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's too late now. It's already gone. It never happened. We can turn back the hands of time and, then... and bring it back. <laughs> Oh my god. Start marching on your local MP's offices <laughs> demanding the reinstitution of the Emergencies Act. You didn't go far enough. There was one we people wanted... you forgot to freeze. We want another one. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And we're kidding for those who are probably losing their mind. <laughs> okay? We're kidding. That's when Trudeau says, just watch me. <laughs> How many Emergencies Acts? Are you willing to impose? Oh my god. You watch, he like wanted to do it to Rebel, he just forgot, so he re-invokes it to <laughs> just get them. See, and, then... and that one passes, <laughs> passes through Parliament and the Senate. Oh my god. So then we're interviewing uh, Joel Pollock, Ezra's sitting down with Joel Pollock, editor for Breitbart. A complete and utter piece of shit. But uh, he he's on to say some uh, this this part this part gets wild. So uh, Pollock talks about how the trucker movement is now catching on in the U.S. and he compares it to the Tea Party. There are conservatives talking about organizing trucking convoys into March later in the spring. These convoys are becoming a symbol that is going to transcend the current crisis. So no matter what Trudeau does, how the Canadian issue is resolved, this has become the new Tea Party. We are all truckers now, in a sense. You're a trucker now, Vienna. <laughs> fuck. We're all truckers now. Fuck. I hate it. He's probably right. And fuck. I mean, he is. But like, I find the funny thing is because like, they talk about like this is the new Tea Party. And it's like... The Tea Party was a very racist, <laughs> very racist uh, group that was attacking Obama. Uh, that was pretty much it. There was tons of like, Obama is a monkey signs and burning Obama in effigy from the Tea Party movement. It was a racist movement. So I love that they just bring that up as if, because like Ezra's whole line here is the truck convoy is not racist. And here's Pollock going, the truck convoy is just like this racist group. Yeah, but they probably wouldn't say that that was racist anyways. True. I just feel like it's worth uh, us bringing that up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they don't believe, well, they at least uh, outwardly acknowledge that they themselves aren't racist, but we have a lot of clips that would suggest otherwise. Mm -hmm. No, exactly. Like, I don't know. It's just a, like, it is not surprising that they're being like, oh, wow, we're the next Tea Party type of thing, because that's like... It was also a really good grift. Yep. So. <laughs> yep. Yep. Always be grifting. ABG. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Ezra then brings up the coots arrests again. So we get another, we get another take. There's been no acts of violence in two weeks with 100,000 truckers. Last night, RCMP in Coots, Alberta, arrested 11 people claiming there was a violent cell. Now, could be, but I know that in rural Alberta, the idea that you have some long arms, like some shotguns and rifles in the house, is not a sign of being a violent cell. That's sort of what farms and ranches are like. 
there's no police station nearby. You need them for pest control, like a coyote or something. So I'm, I, I don't know if there really was a violent cell. I think it may be that that was just a pretext to bring in this kind of martial law. And I note that Trudeau calls anyone he doesn't like a Nazi, yet he's removing civil liberties. What is the connection between the police not being around and there might be a coyote in the yard? I think what he was trying to say is that if the police aren't around, you might just have to shoot one off in someone who's breaking into your home. I mean, yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. But it's also like, why why speak around that so much? I don't know, because he... I guess it's technically illegal, like we don't have stand-your-ground laws, but... He said some things before that were... I mean, there was a... I remember back in the day, way before COVID, when one of the major arcs of our show was the fact that a bunch of vegan activists took over a turkey farm in Alberta. And that that lasted several weeks. And there was like, like, there's so many angles. Like that was, that used to be a big story on our show. (laughs) Okay. God. And Ezra. Simpler times. And Ezra was like, he was like, he said that the Hutterites who owned the, the turkey farm were like religious pacifists. And so were just so gentle to these vegan activists. But he was like, Oh, but if they came onto my property, ooh, I oh, they better they better be careful and make sure that I didn't have my gun with me, because you know, oh, like he was like talking like that about it. So, uh, so he hasn't shied away from that language before. Yeah, I do just like the idea of Ezra calling the cops on a coyote. Yeah, nine one one. There's a coyote. Also, like, yeah. let's be real. Like, again. We're currently looking at the picture right now, or at least I am, with all the guns on the table. Handguns, shotguns, long guns with scopes, all for a coyote? Tactical vests for a coyote. (laughs) Yeah, for when the coyotes (laughs) raid your border crossing. Dear Lord. So again, we will will break it down, but we're, uh, this is not the last thing he has to say about the coots thing. Pollock then starts to get into dangerous territory. And this is where things get really off the rails. Uh, He claims that the imposition of the Emergency Act is going to lead to people taking matters into their own hands. Let's go there. Let's go to the, the question of violence. The reason that the Canadian Charter of Freedoms allows for peaceful assembly and so forth is that in countries that provide freedom of assembly and freedom of speech, freedom to protest and so forth, You don't need violence to make your voice heard. You don't need to use acts of sabotage to to be listened to. When you use emergency powers to crack down on what is really a peaceful protest, maybe not a lawful protest in every case, but it's basically civil disobedience. When you use emergency powers to crack down on that, you almost guarantee more violence. There are going to be a small group of people within whether the left or the right who see the imposition of emergency powers as something that precludes ordinary political debate, precludes freedom of speech and assembly, and they're going to take matters into their own hands. I don't disagree with that. I, I don't either. But it is, he, he's stating what is, what my worry about all of this was, especially yeah. in terms of like, leaving it to the end to do a big police push, which we've already experienced uh, this past weekend. Uh, this does worry me. So he, he, there is a part of what he's saying here that is, that is really correct. But also, the problem is him saying it out loud, too, to the audience that would be susceptible to that kind of 
rhetoric, you know? Yeah. For the right wing, like, it really reinforces the freedom fighter messaging, too. In case that wasn't explicit enough for you, uh, we got some more. The problem is that when you invoke these emergency powers, you, you create this element of radicalism. And you see that in the United States when the federal government starts talking about seizing guns, for example, or you have a botched FBI raid, uh, such as the one that happened under Bill Clinton in Waco, Texas. You see people on the fringes start to react to that sort of thing. And there were subsequent acts of right-wing domestic terrorism in the wake of Waco because they thought that the federal government had essentially imposed totalitarian rule on the United States. It's a crazy belief, but when the government oversteps its authority, people's imaginations can run wild. And I think that Trudeau is destabilizing a situation that actually has a natural and safe resolution, which he is unwilling to pursue because he's aware that he will pay a political price, both with the conservative opposition and within his own liberal camp, for backing down. Hey, Jody. Yeah? Did they go full Waco yet? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> unless, unless, like, the police lightly... Like, here... Again, anti-police. I don't think the police should have done anything over this past weekend when they dispersed the occupation in Ottawa. But they treated these people, even with kids' gloves, when they were, like, removing them. When, like, you know, no tear gas was deployed. There was definitely pepper spray. They definitely clubbed a a few knees, you know what I mean? Uh, Mm. Some people got trampled by the horse police. Like, bad things happened. But, like, they do way worse to left-wing activists, you know what I mean? I, this nowhere near, like no one died. This no way anywhere came close to being Waco. But uh, but yes, the emergency act apparently is is the Waco. I don't I don't know what the fuck he's gonna get. There's also just like, do you notice like what he said at the end there though? Like how fucked up this is because it's almost a veiled threat, right? It's like remove the mandates, or else violent extremism is inevitable and it'll be your fault. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of fucked up, is it not? <laughs> Yep. But also, everywhere is removing the mandates, so... I mean, that's true, but, like, think <sighs> think about what he's saying in, like, a theoretical world where people didn't cave to these assholes. Well, I'm not saying that the, the move was to cave to them, but just, like, they're accepting it and just moving on with this pandemic, even though it could get worse later. Could. Hopefully it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Hopefully it doesn't. But, like, it, it, it's just, like, it, it, in the world that we take the pandemic seriously... Like, he he makes it sound like it's just the safe, like, all you have to do is just end the mandates, like, no harm, no foul. When it's like, that is a decision that could harm people. You know, it's not a neutral decision to just end the mandates, mm-hmm. even if it would hurt him or not hurt him politically or whatever he was talking about. Like, he makes it sound like, oh, that's just a neutral, because, like, at the end of it, they don't believe the thing exists. But, like, imagine being like, ah, uh, you know, just end this thing that's not harming anyone, and, uh, or else we'll, we'll, give you a, t- a terrorist attack like this that really is like what's happening here is stochastic terrorism he's giving like room to people to just commit terrorism i don't condone it but i would understand if they were going to do it type of shit which is again kind of classic ezra like and it's in the it's in the context of these assholes who got arrested in coots that they like downplay yeah. as these hunters and shit like that like it's everything about this is fucked up I mean, not only is the attacking sort of, like, inevitable, uh, or, or like, as much as, like, you and I both agree with Pollock that, that this will be an extension of what happened, these people becoming more radicalized, uh, as I said, like, it's, it's also the fact that Ezra 
Ed Pollock are speaking like this because it's like if you're being told that the government is working with a cabal of globalists to rig an election, impose vaccine mandates and to restrict all your freedoms, what do you do in response to that if even protesting doesn't work because the police come in and shut it down, right? Mm -hmm. And that's like, so in that context, and we have these people who are, in, in a sense, right-wing propagandists. The next thing I'm going to play is Ezra, and it is way more concerning in that context. Hey, let me close on this note. Um, the truckers, the most peaceful mass movement in maybe Canadian history, so they raised $10 million in GoFundMe, and the various governments in Canada caused that to be rescinded. Um, they interfered and got GoFundMe to, to cancel it. Then the truckers went to give, send, go. They couldn't be deplatformed, although they were hacked. But then they went to court and got an order freezing those funds. Trudeau, two weeks ago, introduced a new internet censorship bill that will explicitly target news sites like ours. And today the Emergency Act is brought in. All of these things make Canada less free. And as you mentioned, this, this motion in Parliament today to have some exit plan failed. Trudeau wants a permanent revolution. He wants a permanent emergency. Joel, I got to tell you, I am worried that Canada is becoming unfree. It can happen. I mean, Argentina, Venezuela, um, there are countries that, that become less free. And I, it's hard to imagine that a, that a great country like Canada could be that way. But um, I don't know if we have enough checks and balances in our own country to stop a would-be, I don't want to say tyrant, but a petty tyrant, I think, is accurate. I just don't know what Canadians should do. I, I do not, obviously, I don't want any violence. But what do you do when every single fail-safe, every check and balance doesn't work? And when people go to a general strike, that's what I'd call this trucker rebellion, sort of a wildcat general strike, peaceful. And when, when you do that, they're all called terrorists and, and they bring in an emergency law. I just don't know what Canadians should do. The worrying part there is like when you leave it hanging there, I don't know what, should, what people should do. Like you're, you're basically just going, mm. finish my sentence, please, audience, that I got all worked up. What should you do in this case where your freedom has been completely removed from you? The government is tyrannical. What do you do? What do you do? Like, it's, it's one thing, again, it's one thing to be like, the context is radicalizing these people. But these people are being fed a narrative by the things that they listen to. Mm -hmm. And it's a terrifying narrative. Yeah. Fuck. You, you notice as well, so uh, he did something there, which is also a move that Alex Jones makes. Because Alex Jones does this kind of like walking up to the edge thing all the time. And it's the caveat where Ezra goes, well, like, I don't want violence. And it's even like in the clip we play all the time about the ramming protesters with trucks where he's like, I can understand if someone does it. I don't condone yeah. it, but I can understand it. It's like a way of like he can get away with saying that because he's not like actually promoting violence. He's just being like passive about it. But you leave it hanging there as if there's nothing left to do but do the act of terrorism. And I think Pollock senses that. So in fairness to Pollock, I guess if you want to call it fairness, because he's a, a, an idiot, but he, he senses where this is going and goes, oh, Canada will never be totalitarian because it's too big of a country. No, no tyrant can control all of Canada. <laughs>
And then, <laughs> and then, <laughs> then he goes, uh, maybe, maybe some provinces could join the U.S. You know, Alberta could, uh, could join the U.S. And then he's like, oh, and then like maybe Canadian conservatives could just vote harder, you know? True. And that's, that's the, <laughs> that's what they're going to do. And that's, and that's where they leave it. So that's, <laughs> that's their solution. Vote harder, conservatives. I have a good one, and it's a good, it's a good possible episode title. Give send go to the polls. Give send go to the polls. <laughs> oh my god, we live in a weird timeline. <laughs> my god, Ezra then, I guess, during the mailbag se- segment, complains about the fact that the Canadian Civil Liberties Association hasn't said anything about the Emergencies Act. And remember, we're still on Monday, okay? <laughs> mm-hmm. As of uh, the recording, uh, they hadn't said anything. But as soon as it was enacted, the CCLA did come out and release a statement condemning the use of the Emergency Act. So uh, just worth pointing that out. And I, I say that's fine. Good on the Canadian Civil Liberties Association. We are now officially on Tuesday. <laughs> Ezra begins by reflecting on how things feel the same as yesterday, and according to him, this is evidence that we aren't actually in a national emergency, so therefore, the Emergency Act is not justified. He then contrasts this with the War Measures Act, where Ezra thinks across this country, people actually did feel the emergency. Which I think is silly, but we'll play the clip and I'll let you see. (laughs) I guess I should say before I play the clip, like... Automatically, you're like, this This is just a silly thing, because it's like, it could be a serious emergency, and it just like, I don't know, I live in some farm in Saskatchewan, and it doesn't immediately affect me. It doesn't make it any less of an emergency, you know? Like, let's say somewhere in Canada was being invaded by a foreign army or something, <laughs> you know? Maybe something like that's a legit emergency, and I'm up in Saskatchewan just tilling some crops. doesn't immediately affect me, you know? I mean, the other thing, too, is like... The FLQ crisis was very localized. Well, here's so here's his explanation and why it actually wasn't. So let's see how you feel about okay, this. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think if there actually were a national crisis, a genuine insurrection, mass riots, some foreign army, we would notice that, and then the solution to it would be noticed and appreciated. When the FLQ crisis was in Canada 52 years ago, people actually did feel a fear of foreign-funded terrorism, the FLQ. <laughs> oh my God, your face! <laughs> huh? The foreign-funded FLQ. What do you not understand, Vienna? True. I forgot. I forgot to get the separate nation here, right? <laughs> I I tried my best to understand what the fuck that means, and the only thing I could think of is that they had some support in, like, Cuba or something, didn't they? Is that what he's trying to get at? Because part of their plan was to flee to Cuba. So, the thing about Cuba is that it has, like, a measure within its um, constitution that, like, says that it will accept political refugees who are fleeing because they were persecuted for their, like, socialist beliefs. Okay. So, like, you know, that isn't Cuba supporting them. That's just Cuba being fucking cool. That's why everybody goes to Cuba. That's why Asada Shakur is in Cuba. Like, everybody who can get there is like, peace, I'm out. 
I'm just like, he thinks that everything that he's against is foreign funded. Like, that's just his go-to. Yeah. Like, it doesn't require any evidence. Like, this this grassroots uh, Canadian, uh, they were pretty extreme. So, like, I don't know if you could call them an extremist group. They were doing things. And because of that, they're, they're foreign funded automatically. <laughs> I think, Ezra, I think that Quebec did separate. And so... <laughs> Because Quebec is a separate nation. But then if you get back to the original point, why was the fact that they're foreign funded, that that somehow affected the rest of Canada such that they're like, oh yes, this really is an emergency worth the War Measures Act. Because <laughs> they're foreign funded. Yeah. It's just so fucking ridiculous. You know, there are moments throughout doing this podcast where he says things that are completely fucking ridiculous. It just felt like these these two days in particular, he said a whole bunch of shit where I'm just like, where is this coming from? The color revolution, <laughs> this? Yeah. The FLQ stands for the Foreign Liberation of Quebec, so, you know. Oh, okay. That's, <laughs> I forgot that that's what the <laughs> F meant. My bad. Yeah. Ezra then mentions the fact that the Ottawa police chief resigned, and he claims that is a victory for the convoy, although I didn't know that that's what the convoy wanted. <laughs> I thought that was more just happenstance having to do with the circumstance of the police not uh, not adequately dealing with it and facing like public backlash because of that, rather than the, the truckers wanting... The, the whole reason they did the convoy was to get to Ottawa and have the police chief resign. That was like... That's why they did it. This is Tuesday, so Monday, the weapons were found. Tuesday, the Coots blockade is now over. And this is... The first thing Ezra has to say uh, about that. Uh, in Coots, Alberta, the men wrapped up their blockade. Look at them hugging the cops. That doesn't look like a na national emergency. They just went home. There are some charges out there, and as you know, Rebel News is crowdfunding top-notch lawyers. As I like to say of Omar Khadr, the convicted, confessed al-Qaeda terrorist, gets a lawyer, so should these men too. I see that the RCMP um, put out this tweet of the violent military cell that they confiscated. Now, I admit this sure looks bad to city folks, especially in Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal, who have never seen a gun. But if you look at that, that's really what you would expect to find in pretty much any country home in Canada, a rural farm or a ranch. Uh, those guns look pretty scary because some of them are black and some of them have camouflage, but they're really hunting rifles. My God. Almost all of them are just little 22s. Uh, those are not bulletproof vests. They can have armor plating in them, but they don't. The RCMP claimed they're bulletproof vests. Those look like a lot of bullets, but not really. I think that this was designed to scare Toronto-centric media who don't really understand a lot about how the other half lives. Notice how Ezra says uh, that this was designed. I, I, I picked up on that language in particular. And now he could mean that the media and RCMP framing was designed, but he seems to mm. also be suggesting that we can't trust the RCMP. And he claimed that all violence so far has been false flags. So I'm like, is he trying to say that like somehow all these people with like something about this was designed, like there was a grand uh, design behind all of this? But then he also goes from that to talk about like, oh, this is just what would happen in a farming community. <laughs> the last thing that I want to state there, I, I don't know if you picked up on it, but about the stuff having to do with the lawyer. Yeah. 
I didn't notice this the first time I listened to this clip. I did figure it out on, on subsequent listens. But I watched a video in our current timeline. So, like, I think they posted it on their YouTube channel yesterday. Where their lawyer, Chad, remember the avocado toast guy? Mm -hmm. Chad, who they hired through crowdfunding to defend the people in Coots, he is now actually, him and his law firm, I believe, are the ones now defending the, the 11 to 14 people who were arrested in Alberta. So that means that Rebel News technically crowdfunded the lawyers that are now currently defending these uh, armed militia groups. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Yeah. Just a quick note on the guns, too. Now, this article is from the 16th, so there might be more updates since then. But around five of the six guns that like look like the prohibited types, uh, it seems like they are a non-restricted AR variant, which has similar function and features to many of the prohibited, prohibited like actual AR variants. And... Uh, there's a quote that says, some of those rifles are fairly easy to alter and others are not into fully automatic ones. And then there's also the fact that many of the magazines are visibly above legal capacity um, because Canadian firearms law restricts center, center fire rifle magazines and semi-automatic rifles to a maximum of five rounds of ammunition. But you know what? Like, when you're dealing with highly intelligent coyotes, you do need to adapt on the ground. So, you know, the law is True. just mistaken. <laughs> I mean, it's a real feral hogs moment, you know? Yeah. <laughs> we, we mentioned as well, like, he mentioned as well in this clip, the hugging at the beginning. Uh, when the Coots blockade was over, they walked, hugged some cops. It was a big thing. A lot of people shared it on Twitter. I'm, I'm part of me is glad that it ends this way. I don't think ending in bloodshed is uh, is preferable. But uh, it also shows you again that, that cops and these people are way more friendlier than they are with left wing protesters. All that I agree with. But there's more to like the fact of like them resigning like that and deciding to give up the blockade. And this is what Ezra has to say about that. But nonetheless, this violent cell, and maybe it is, we'll find out when the facts are out. That's why the truckers went home. They didn't want to be associated with any violence, not because of the emergency act and certainly not because of the cops. You saw them hugging. The truckers just wanted to distance themselves from that. So these completely nonviolent, peaceful, most peaceful protest ever in all of life, actually, that most mm -hmm. peaceful, nonviolent thing, they gave up their blockade when they realized they didn't want to be associated with the violent in their movement. <laughs> <sighs> because they're so peaceful, they didn't want to be associated with the violence that was in their movement. You know, it makes total sense. Of course. Yeah. You know, if the cops, <laughs> really, the cops encourage that peaceful behavior by arresting the violent elements. Um,. Because otherwise, now it would just be the violent elements blockading the border, and who knows what we would have? We would we would have the possibility of a of a of a non non violent 
blockade on the border, which was never the possibility before. Here's you notice as well in the language that he's using, which is that in some sense he's he's separating in his mind and in his audience's mind the idea that there was the truckers and then there was this violent group as if they're two separate entities. But we're about to to get into it here, but they're they're not they're not and cannot be separate entities. They they were a part of the blockade. Mm. Think about it this way too. You have a whole week of content. This is the Tuesday. The arrest happened yesterday, and then the the blockade ended today. And this is the last thing that Ezra has to say about the arrests in Coots. The only charity I can give Ezra here is that on Tuesday, some of the details about the arrests were still arrests were still not public. But it's telling that Ezra doesn't mention any of the details that were known and then doesn't bring it up in the next three days as information started to be revealed, all the other things that became known, right? Like, it's like, you know what I mean? So there was things he already should have known (laughs) by the 14th and 15th when these episodes came out, but more came out during the week that he just doesn't talk about it ever again. By the 14th, we already knew that the vests contained both anti-Semitic patches uh, and that would at least give give rise to the theory that these weren't just farmers. I don't know how many farmers there are uh, that are ant- are <laughs> Islamophobic. There's probably a lot, but like, you know, yeah. I doubt most farmers have in their gun shed uh, a vest with like anti-Islamic patches on it. Mm-hmm. The other is a Diagalon patch, which is a far right accelerationist group that has been involved with the convoy from the start. In fact, we talked with Tony of Yellow Vest Canada Exposed on our show a couple weeks ago about this group in particular before any of these arrests occurred and just after the convoy had arrived on the 29th of January. Diagalon, for those who don't know and don't remember from a couple weeks ago when we covered it, it's a de facto or its de facto leader is Jeremy McKenzie. And he's been monitored by the Canadian Anti-Hate Network for a while. So these are people who've been on other people's uh, radar. And now it's almost, uh, <laughs> which which I just should say, that's almost contrary to Ezra's framing that the Canadian Anti-Hate Network like just make up extremists. Like they've been onto these people since before they got arrested. You know, they didn't just yeah. make these people up. Mm, they did. And then they put them into <laughs> the totally peaceful blockades. Well, my contrarian take is that they're actually doing a good job tracking these people. (laughs) (sighs) It is worth highlighting that Ezra even swims in the same circles as Jeremy McKenzie, who's the de facto leader, not only uh, in their support of the convoy. So the fact that Jeremy and the Diagonal people support the convoy, uh, Ezra also supports the convoy. But McKenzie was recently a guest on Infowars with Alec Jones. And uh, Ezra has also been a guest several times on Alex Jones's show. And Alex Jones himself is associated with the Oath Keepers, whose leader, uh, Stuart Rhodes, was a frequent guest on his show and is now arrested for seditious conspiracy on January 6th. (laughs) Like, I don't know, I'm sensing a pattern here with all these people. I wonder why Ezra is always associated and connected with these circles. Mm. Pure coincidence. Pure coincidence. The Anti-Hate Network keeps inventing these people and throwing them in Ezra's way. (laughs) For a bit of background on 
the Diagalon movement itself. Uh, the name and flag is uh, representative of a fake white nationalist country. The idea is that it's supposed to be from Alaska through the prairie provinces down to Florida, and that would be the new like white nationalist state, hence the, the diagonal. And the members of this group are preparing for uh, violence as they believe there is a coming collapse or a civil war that is imminent. This is what a lot of survivalist white nationalist groups uh, do. They frequently make racist and anti-Semitic jokes on their podcasts and shows that they do, and they hide behind all the irony of it. So even like the flag itself, they portray it as a kind of joke. But the thing is, it's like, again, if it's, if it's just a joke, why are you arming yourselves and uh, engaging in plots like these that get you arrested. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, like at some point, there's the meme posting anti-Semitic jokes online to the stockpiling weapons to have a shootout with cops. Like there's some some scale here. Like I have a feeling this isn't jokes anymore. Yeah. And this is actually a common thing that people talk about called uh, uh, irony poisoning. So this is what a lot of white nationalists do. It's not uncommon. The funny thing is, uh, and I I've completely forgot about this, we actually used a clip on our show of Jeremy McKenzie like months ago where uh, Chris Skye and Jeremy McKenzie were on a show together. And I had played this clip to highlight Chris Skye's anti-Semitism because in the podcast appearance, uh, Jeremy McKenzie keeps trying to push Chris Skye on who's the group implementing these COVID restrictions. And what he's trying to imply is that it's, you know, the Jews are the ones controlling and pulling the strings behind the scenes to introduce all the mandates. And of course, uh, Ezra eventually cut ties with Chris Skye because uh, David Menzies interviewed Chris Skye and asked him about Chris Skye's anti-Semitism and Chris Skye stormed off. Mm -hmm. So, you know... <laughs> Their motto as well. So Diagalon's uh, motto is called by gun or by rope, which is terrifying all on its own, but it's likely a reference to the day of the rope, which is from the Turner Diaries and indicates a day when white people come together and end up hanging all the race traders. The Turner Diaries, if those who are not familiar with it, is a well-known uh, book amongst right-wing white nationalist violent extremists and was uh, read by Timothy McVeigh, who blew up the federal building in Oklahoma City. In, in fact, I think when they found him, he had a copy of the book, or at least portions of the book, on him when he was arrested. So it's like, there's a ton of red flags here, is basically what I'm saying. These people are pretty yeah. uh, fucked up, and have been documented for some time now, you know? So remember that the Coots border blockade was being supported by Rebel. They had two employees embedded with them and were crowdfunding lawyers to help them negotiate with the RCMP. We also covered last week that Ezra kind of implied they were letting the Coots blockade dictate what Rebel News put out as uh, information. Uh, so if you mm -hmm. want to go hear that clip, you can go back to next week. Rebel News was also creating a documentary about the blockade, which they called Operation Bear Hug. They released a trailer for it on their YouTube on February 11th, which was before all these arrests took place. Now, I wonder if this documentary will ever see the light of day, since most of the yeah, people, uh, <laughs> uh, since most of the people were arrested, uh, they were also uh, on that blockade, and likely appear in a lot of their footage. It also wouldn't surprise me if the RCMP try to get that footage from Rebel. Uh, and if they're not, here's the other thing. It actually wouldn't, uh, it would surprise me if they would because, you know, they're, they're the RCMP and they're shitty. <laughs> yeah. But 
If I were the RCMP, I would try to get a hold of uh, Rebel News' footage. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Four of the men uh, were charged uh, with conspiracy to commit murder. So for those who aren't familiar with what all the charges were, four of them had uh, uh, were at least, it's not clear yet, but were at least ruminating, planning, or something with the the outcome of that planning being the murder of cops. Okay? Two of the four men charged with that crime were a part of the blockade. They they have, so there was like a flag where people's names were written on the flag in the like bar that was associated with Coots in the blockade. Uh, so it's like they were a part of the whole thing and they have close ties to Jeremy McKenzie. And it's also worth noting that Chad, the rebel-funded lawyer, and the rest of his firm is currently helping to defend these people fighting these charges. And this is all Ezra has to say about it. Like, he didn't say any of this. Not a thing. Oh, it's just it's just farmers. They're just, oh, like, they could be the RCMP planting these things. And, oh, and we're not involved. Like, I don't know. There's something fucked up about all of this, you know? Yeah. And so... <sighs> How many times, even in the past few weeks, but this is a common refrain we hear from Ezra constantly on the show, which is that he's never even seen a Nazi before in his life. He doesn't know what Nazis are. Where are they? I can't find them anywhere. And yet he happened to be embedded with a group of them, pretty much, blockading a fucking border. (sighs) Who was it that was embedded with them? Do you remember? Kian Simone and Sidney Fizzard were the two rebel employees. Okay. They're relatively new, but still. Yeah. But still, apparently Ezra knows Chad, Chad the lawyer. (laughs) Apparently they go way back based on the way Ezra talks about him. So that's all we have to say about the coot stuff. I just want to say that, like, my guess is that we are going to move on from this and we might never hear about this again on his show. And... I don't know. Like, there's no way of knowing whether or not there is direct connections between Rebel and this group and what they were doing at Coots. But uh, if it does come up outside of the show, because even if it does come up, I doubt Ezra would mention anything unless he comes on to say, like, they're being framed or something. But I will try to keep people posted, uh, even if it doesn't come up on his show itself. But I, I, my guess is this is not going to come up again, and uh, they're just going to move right along as if nothing happened. Yeah. And so now we move on. Ezra then moves <laughs> from from denying the coot shit to say that these truckers are natural heirs to the Yellow Vest movement in France. And he compares the treatment of the truckers with how the media smeared the Yellow Vests as racist. Now, I don't recall them smearing the Yellow Vests in France as racist. But, yeah. But their Canadian offshoot was definitely labeled racist, and uh, they were. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I don't remember anything about the Giajon being racist. It was always the yellow vests here. Because they were, like, Pegida people. like Exactly. And the, the ones in France, too, were a broad coalition. Like, it did involve both right-wing and left-wing groups. Mm-hmm. Uh but, like, that, I don't recall anyone smearing that entirety as, uh, in fact, I remember there was some, like, weird footage that was coming out of France of, like, the right-wing parts of the yellow vests and the left-wing parts of the yellow vests, like, fighting each other in the streets, all wearing yellow vests. <laughs> yeah, well, like, and also, 
like at various points like there were firefight like the firefighters were involved with the yellow vests in, in with the Gijon in France and like there were moments when the cops sided with the yellow vests against the government as well <laughs> like that was an actual fucking like you know mass mobilization protest movement this wasn't and even more so the yellow vests in canada were not well the the ironic thing about the yellow vests in canada is that the trucker convoy is an extension uh, of uh, of the yellow vests so for example there was this yellow vest related convoy back in 2019 that was called united we roll and the convoy back then had similar people involved with it like pat king who was one of the people organizing this convoy. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and so Pat King, during that convoy and before, was well-documented, saying a whole bunch of racist things, with comments denying the Holocaust and believing in the Great Replacement. So yes, if the Yellow Vest movement was racist because the organizers were racists, and the same people who organized this convoy were the same people back then, then it's still racist, <laughs> which is one of the reasons why people were calling this convoy racist, you know? Yeah. It's just like, it's amazing because he, he, like, for Ezra, he could just be like, oh, what, they're so silly in the media plot. And it's like, what about all the context, bud? You're just gonna, you're just gonna ignore all of it. Well, that's because Ezra is a journalist, Jody. You report on the <laughs> facts as they are, not as they connect to other things that were. Journalism is the present, not the past. He's not a historian. You you raise a great point, but to counter your point, we have another incoherent <laughs> statement that he's about to make here. And it involves the contrast. So because he's talking about the yellow vests in France, he wants to talk about uh, how the new truck convoy is an international movement. But he realizes that international, that sounds vaguely globalist, doesn't it? So he wants to contrast. International movements are not globalist movements, okay? Now, we've talked about this on the show before because you, we've we've made similar statements saying that international movements are, are real and good and leftist. Globalization is is usually bad and more like neoliberal. And then there's the globalist, which tends to be the right-wing conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. But this is how Ezra frames it, okay? It truly is an international movement, but not a globalist one. Do you know the difference between international and globalist? International means it's simply in different countries. Globalist means it's a rootless global governance, undemocratic and unaccountable. Do you know what he's saying? <laughs> I know those are all words. No. So international is you got... People are here, but they're also over there. International, okay? Makes sense. Globalism is when they're rootless and they're therefore unaccountable. Ah, (laughs) you mean they're cosmopolitan. I don't know. You know, the older anti-Semitic term for those people who happen to be in some sort of diaspora. How are other international movements not... Are, how are they accountable? I, like, <laughs> uh, they report... I, I was going to say they report to the UN, but I bet no. 
that's probably the globalists too yes because um, they're unaccountable somehow they're not rooted like i see what he's trying like what hmm. he wants to say it is it is the anti-semitic conspiracy theory oddly enough like it's amazing to me that he isn't aware that he's doing it or like maybe he is aware and that's fucked up but i don't know i can't read his brain right but the fact yeah. of thinking like Yes, like they're like as if there's a Jewish cabal out there that is completely not connected to anything. It had there's no authority above it, but it's the one pulling the strings, and that's what the globalist movement is. But it's like, or, or people are really what you think is globalist is really what the international movement is, and these people are just grassroots activists over here and over here that find common cause with the, each other. Mm-hmm. And are just as accountable as everyone else because they still exist in their residing countries and are still like under threat of arrest or whatever by their uh, states, you know, which is just the way the world is. <laughs> I don't understand it. It really is like it, it really does sound like his it's he his conspiracy theory really is the anti-Semitic conspiracy theory. And the thing the people he thinks are the heads of it are Soros and Klaus Schwab. So maybe Schwab is not Jewish, but uh, George Soros is, which makes it a little bit more ickier. Ezra then complains that activists doxed some of the truckers, uh, but because the truckers had their phone numbers on the sides of their trucks. <laughs> and- <laughs> And he's also mad that people are sifting through the Give, Send, Go uh, leak to harass mm. those who donated to Give, Send, Go. And I happen to think both of those things are funny. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing, too, is like so many of the truckers in interviews or the convoy people in interviews would just like give their names, give where they're from. They dox themselves like that's it. Some of the people on January 6th stormed the Capitol without masks on, so... I mean, all of the convoy people <laughs> yeah. did not wear masks, too. Like Ezra then continues the narrative as well, that the government is using the Emergency Act to create a Chinese-style social credit system. And he ends uh, the beginning segment by again speculating that the liberal government is going to use their emergency powers to freeze Rebel News' bank accounts. Which, again, is not going to happen. Ezra then interviews someone named uh, David Freiheit, who is a YouTuber. We watched some of his live streams when we were uh, covering it on our Twitch channel. He happens to be a right-wing person, but uh, he was on the ground because most of the people on the ground live streaming it were right-wing. But he was also a candidate for the PPC. The thing is, like, he's mostly known for just doing random YouTube stuff. Like, he's just a YouTuber. I think he also has, like, a a law degree, but he just does YouTube now. And he used to do, like, uh, quirky little YouTube prank things or something. But now he's a candidate for the PPC. So, hey, hooray. Woohoo. Now, nothing happens in the interview that's at all interesting. The only thing that I want to highlight is at the very end of the interview, uh, Ezra starts talking about whether or not the police are going to crack skulls in Ottawa. So again, this is the Tuesday. The police started moving in on the protest on Friday. But this is what Ezra thinks uh, about whether or not the police are going to do something. Again, I am i don't know if the Ottawa police are going to go and crack skulls. I don't think that's where the battlefront is. I think the front line of the battle is the financial and digital front line. But we'll see. I mean, I've been wrong a few times trying to guess things. So he doesn't he doesn't think they're going to crack skulls. He's not sure though. He's he's hedging his bets, but he doesn't think anything's going to happen. And I think the funny thing is like 
I actually think he he thinks this, and I'll explain why uh, in a in a in a bit. Mm-hmm. But you could tell here he's like he's and, and part of it is like it makes sense. It's like the police have been so hands off to the to this point. You know, he probably yeah. doesn't think they're actually going to do something. He thinks that the banks are going to go full Waco on them. <laughs> well, he thinks financial the, Waco. He thinks the banks are with the the Chinese credit system bullshit. That's a that's all exactly exactly same thing (laughs) the episode ends with ezra playing a clip of lincoln j who's showing that the truckers actually love the homeless in ottawa and they're like giving homeless people food and the reason why lincoln is doing this is because they play a clip of trudeau where trudeau says that truckers were stealing food from the homeless and lincoln says this isn't true and I just wanted to say, it is, in fact, true. It did, in fact, happen. Uh, we covered it uh, uh, back when this initially happened, but, like, there was a homeless shelter in Ottawa that gave food to the homeless that a bunch of truckers uh, went to use and then got violent with the people working there. It did happen. Mm-hmm. It was well-documented and reported. Like, I'm sorry, Lincoln J. <laughs> yeah. But again, it's like, this is the most peaceful protest in all of existence. And you just, like, flat out fucking lie about all the instances of violence. Almost like these people (sighs) are a propaganda network. Perhaps. So now we reach Wednesday, February 16th. Now the next three days are going to fly by here. But on February 16th, the entire episode is Ezra wondering if U.S. banks will comply with the Emergency Act. It's really boring. Nothing much is said. I don't really care. Andrew Lawton then comes on as a guest. But they're just complaining about how they aren't respected as independent journalists. And I don't respect them as independent journalists. So snore, boring, I don't care. Moving on. <laughs> Ezra, in the end uh, of that, of, on the 16th, still doubts that police will do anything in Ottawa. Despite the fact that the police are now starting to hand out notes indicating that the arrests will happen on Friday. Okay? Maybe this brochure will cause the truckers to leave. I don't know. I don't think ordinary beat cops are willing to get brutal with moms and dads and kids having sort of a festival-type atmosphere. I just don't think they're going to do it, but but who knows? So he's still hedging his bets, but uh, again, just want to highlight, a little ironic because we know what's coming, but I get the feeling, again, he, he, he honestly did not think that the cops are going to be brutal towards them. See, but is he wrong? Because, like... It wasn't the beat cops. They had to bring in the RCMP. And that's what he's saying. Like, he's saying he doesn't believe that it's the beat cops who are going to do it. But some of the beat cops were there. Uh, They weren't just the RCMP. So during the breakup on Friday, it was uh, some of the same police that were there the whole time. So you had Peel police there, London police, uh, etc. Even Quebec police were there. Not just RCMP. But the Ottawa police? (laughs) Well, I don't know if the Ottawa... I mean, but, like, the Ottawa police weren't, were not the only ones there the whole time anyways. Like, most of the police yeah. there was, like... There was a ton of London police. Yeah, London cops got sent all over. Yeah, like, we even... Our, well, we... Our city police even got sent down to uh, the Windsor Bridge. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Windsor one makes way more sense because it's closer. Yeah. But, yeah, no, like, London cops got sent to G20, I think, as well. Like, when the 2010 or 11 riots happened. Yep. They didn't deploy local cops to that because it's a lot harder to get local cops to beat on your neighbors type of thing. Yep. It's a very common thing to do. But still, 
I think even having the non-local police there, they were relatively hands-off. And Ezra, yeah. we, we acknowledged at the end of last week's episode that even Ezra, he spent all last week fear-mongering about the police. But then even at the very end, he was like, yeah, I think they have been pretty hands-off. <laughs> yeah. And so now this week he's like, no, nah, I don't think they're going to do anything. So he ends that on the Wednesday. So now we're on the Thursday. On the Thursday show, Ezra is mad that the NDP are going to vote with the Liberals for the Emergency Act, and he spends a long period of time mad at uh, Jagmeet Singh for being the leader of the working class party, and yet he wears fancy clothes and he hates truckers. That's... (laughs) Uh, So I don't really care. Ezra then mentions the Canadian Civil Liberties Association and actually admits that they condemn the use of the Emergency Act, so... I guess he he corrects himself. It's nice. And then Ezra ends the show speculating that Soros is orchestrating all of the Emergency Act stuff in order to short the Canadian dollar. (laughs) As, As you do. And now we're on Friday. And what happened on Friday, we all know. The police early in the morning. Uh, I think it started around, the buildup started around 10 or 11, and then they started moving in on the protest around noon. Ezra admits that he was caught off guard by the police presence in Ottawa, thinking that they would actually debate the Emergency Act first. The other thing that also makes me think that this was not planned is he ends his February 17th main segment by talking about Bill Blair, who's a current Liberal MP and was put in charge, I think, of the police response from the Liberal Party with uh, the the Ottawa crackdown. And he mm-hmm. is the one who was chief of the police in Toronto during G20. And so yeah. he was making a connection there that this is the sign that uh, Chief Bill Blair is going to try to make the police be brutal or something. But... But he had planned that the next day he was going to go on a monologue about how bad Chief Bill Blair is. But then, even though the brochures clearly said the police were moving in on that day. (laughs) And so the next day comes and he's like, I was going to do this thing, but now we're just going to just show our coverage of the protest uh, all day. And so that's that's all pretty much what the show is on Friday, is the fact of the police... uh, the police cracking down. And I will say, like, were the police relatively hands-off? Yes. But there was, they were uh, pepper sprayed. Andrew Lawton got pepper sprayed. Alexa Lavoie of Rebel News uh, got bruised up, got pepper sprayed in the face. Horses uh, definitely trampled on some people. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of liberal people, and, like, I'm sure we'll... Uh, Ezra's going to mention this next week for next week's episode, but there was a lot of people online that were trying to speculate that like Rebel News set up the scenario where the horses trampled on the fucking people to get a good shot. And I'm just like, what? Like, re- our whole episode here is way more evidence about how fucked up Rebel News is. You don't have to create some weird fucking conspiracy theory yeah. about the cops trampling people being set up by Rebel News just to defend Justin Trudeau and the police, okay? Police are God. shitty. Just fucking accept yeah. it. Like, <laughs> and stop giving them easy wins. Like, they, Rebel doesn't have that power, okay? Rebel has the power where they, they are associated with, like, right-wing 
nut jobs who stockpile a bunch of weapons. Though that's the real threat, not uh, manipulating photo ops of horse trampling. Yeah. And and of course they had the batons out and they were hitting people. So yes, you know what? Fuck the police. I I think I don't I don't like it when the police do it to us. I don't want the police to do it to a bunch of people who are having a hot tub party occupying Ottawa. I don't think it should happen to either of us, even if those people are racist assholes and I don't like them. State violence is still state violence, and it ain't good, okay? Mm-hmm. In summary, during this week, Ezra claimed that the Liberal government was going to permanently implement emergency measures to freeze right-wing bank accounts, including the accounts of Rebel News, and then institute a Chinese-like uh, social credit system in Canada. But Trudeau has already ended the emergency on February 23rd, and Ezra is wrong. Ezra then also thinks that this is the most peaceful movement ever, yet he downplays the very real act of violence associated with the protest, and downplays the fact that a violent racist cell of right-wing extremists were arrested in coots, suggesting they are either just very normal Albertans, severely normal people, or that the RCMP is lying. Ezra is wrong about that as well. Mm Mm-hmm. And then he also thought the police were not going to do anything to the convoy, but they did. And it was done with the use of the Emergency Act, which has the appearance, whether you agree with it or not, of a heavy-handed solution to the trucker problem. And I think that we need to take seriously that these events of the past week are going to further radicalize people on the right. The convoy might no longer occupy bridges or streets in Ottawa, but that doesn't mean this is over. There are a lot of people out there who thought that the police were their friends. And now they are in a very dark place. And now our media is completely distracted by Ukraine, obviously, and that's good. But uh, we still need people reporting on this and people listening. So mm-hmm. so stay safe, everyone. It's amazing how quick things just, like, flip. Yep. Like, it really does already feel like so long ago, even though it was, you know, this a past few weekend. days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And here's like, I don't, I don't really want to end on like a doom and gloom note. I guess like the one spin of positivity that I can say is like, we just have to be vigilant. We have to be aware that this is the circumstances on the ground. We've seen these patterns before. And so we best be prepared. Start organizing. Find community. And we love you. I got no fucking causes or articles today. Like, go take a walk. (laughs) Put down Twitter. Put down your phone. Go take a fucking walk. Get some fresh air, you know? Meditate. Have. Get a pet. Sure. (laughs) Find God. (laughs) Yes. Convert to Islam. Yeah, just, you know. Go do something that is just, like, away from checking news or, like, doom scrolling. Forget all that. We're over it. We're going for a walk. It's fine. Sure, it's icy out. Be careful. (laughs) Don't fall. (laughs) And then, but only for a week, because then you gotta listen to our show again. That's... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back next week. Then you're allowed to check your phone.
<laughs> You're allowed to check your phone starting Thursday, March 3rd. Oh, Lord. Which is just in advance, because I don't think we'll have the, ep- the next episode out by then either. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. But if you support and enjoy what you've heard so far, uh, please give us a few bucks over on patreon.com slash imperial news. If you want to stay informed about what we're doing, you can also find us on Twitter at Imperial News of the Z. We have a Discord set up. We do Twitch streams every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find clips on our YouTube channel, and you can find all the links in the show notes of this episode. Lastly, you can email us any questions at imperial.fake.news at gmail.com. Special thanks to my friend Mason Tickle for the transition beats. You can find his work at striatum.bandcamp.com. One second, I almost forgot. He sent me another link to a more updated thing. Let me grab that momentarily. It is www.masontickle.com. He has it all, like, consolidated in one area. So there you go. We love Mason. Thanks for the beats. Mason Tickle is spelled T-I-K-L. True. It's not tickle like ha ha ha. And thank you for listening. And everything. You canceled. No more, please. True. Albumbia, Albumbia, how lovely are your wheat fields.